0: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog They're Wonderful lads, to do a great job there And worth reading about that man there so we the man the rest the numbers Time's ended up almost looking like a 6-3 one Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website great podcast as well Of course, Fede Valverde was a huge part of the equation
1: Hello and welcome to a Saturday edition of the Managing Majid podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sabani, and I'm joined tonight by Meheri Hassan, who is not in his car um, as the day turns to night, as he was on the post game podcast after the Shakhtar game over on patreon.com/slash managing with our patrons on the Zoom call. He is just in a normal room with a nice microphone. He's actually matching his um, his room with his shirt. I don't know if that was intentional oh. or not, but that's, a, that's happening. I'm dragging this intro out, Mehdi, because I have always taken great pride in the ability to talk for hours about nothing. And today, I think that day... Finally, the exception to the rule has arrived. I'm not sure what to make sense of what I just watched. I, it, I've it, i been doing a post-game podcast for every single Real Madrid game since 2015. Very few have been as uneventful as the one we just witnessed. So, really, none of that matters because Real Madrid won, and that's what we always uh, want. We want the W. It's not always fun going to the Coliseum Alfonso Perez because it's a grind-out game that we have also lost uh, we've actually lost it as recently as last year so um, we're gonna we're gonna try to drag as much we can out of the barrel here for tonight and uh and break it down as best we can but mehedy where do you want to start with this one how do you make sense of it
0: yeah hey kian thanks thanks for having me on the pod again so well you know i like those you know Spooky kind of Real Madrid trivia as so we've like spoken about them, uh, one or, twice once or twice before as well. I think even uh, during the live Toronto pod. So this game reminds me of a game of another Carlo Ancelotti, uh, second stint. Oh, sorry, second season at Real Madrid. There was a game during the, twenty-two match unbeaten streak in. 2014, 15. I I cannot remember the opponent over here, but that game was exactly like this. And Iker Casillas he said at the end of the game that well, you need these kind of games to win a league title. Well, we we didn't win the league title that season, but Ancelotti, uh, second season in the midst of an unbeaten streak (laughs) so that that was probably the only deja vu i found in this game uh but coming to the game itself i think we can start talking about the selection choices and probably how the first 20 minutes of this game unfolded because i think there were still some exciting things happening during the first 20 minutes i would say first 18 to 20 minutes and then things just went stale and they never came back and also I think there are things that we can discuss regarding how uh how Ancelotti is managing rotations well he he has managed rotations pretty well so far but uh I think there are some interesting points there that we can discuss but it is true that there is not much really to discuss specifically about the game uh yeah so that's that's where I stand
1: well it's it's just it's interesting because you know we've had goalless games and you know, like to be fair like I, I see exaggerating a little bit because there have definitely been games where we've been really kind of bored just trying to analyze it you know we're trying to bring some life to the discussion we're trying to make we have we also have a job to make this podcast entertaining so people are entertaining when they're listening to their commute it's not so it's not too nerdy like we try to do our best but there were definitely games especially during the pandemic and and when Zidane initially came back and we actually won a league title so not to complain too much but there definitely was a lot of games that were just tight-knit nil nils one nils with little chance creation there were there was one game in particular i think it was against alaves where we had 0.17 on the xg chart and we were really creating nothing there are, there have been games like that there have been games like that i think also what differentiates other goalless games or 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 small uh or narrow margin victories like 1-0s like this is that sometimes there's just things happening in nil-nils. Like, there's events, there's fights, there's brawls, there's, like, heavy challengers. Maybe there's mm-hmm. a red card, maybe a couple of players get into it. There was no fights today. There wasn't anything like that. And I kind of mm-hmm. expected it from Getafe, to be honest, but um, <laughs> that didn't happen today. But you put an interesting point. he said, like, after the first 20 minutes, it kind of grew stale. And I think what was interesting about this game and this opponent is that at no point did Getafe really open up at all. Like we created ch- chances. Angelotti said after the game, you know, we defended well and he's true he's right. We also just Lunin had to like do nothing basically. Congrats to Lunin who got his first clean sheet of his reamped career. It was like minute 90 when the linesman puts up the n- like f- number 4 for 4 minutes injury time and you're like Are Khatafe just going to accept that they're just going to stay in this defensive shell until 93? Like, is there going to be any point in this game where they're just going to open up? There was no, usually in games like this, what happens in the second half is that the opponent actually opens up a little bit. And so you start to make subs, you start to take advantage of space and transition. There was no moment like that in this game where it opened up. Khatafe just remained what they were from when it won to 90. And that was, I think, what was kind of unique about this one.
0: Yeah, I think the only moment specifically I can remember was probably around that 20th minute mark when uh, Hatafe had, uh, you know, brought the ball back from the right and then he squared it to their left back, I guess. And he put a ball back in, which Myral missed. Like, if if he gets anything on that ball, it's a goal for Hatafe. But Myral like... Castilla boy forever. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't. Uh, and that that was it. I, I honestly don't remember anything anything more exciting than that. I, and I also do believe that was probably Katafe's best chance of the game, as well. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing anything out apart from that. But uh, yeah, that that was it. What did you make of uh, make of our front three today? Because I, I was doing a. Pre game part for uh, Madrid Bhattar in Bengali. There We we were discussing that maybe Ancelotti is going with Fede, Rodrigo, and Vinicius and not giving Hazard or Asensio a, a starting role because he is rotating with his defense. Uh, he's, he tweaked his defense a bit with men out and Alaba playing left back. He is also bringing in two guys, Modric and Kavinga, who haven't, uh, f- uh, they they didn't start in the previous game. So Chuomini was the only one who started in the previous game. So basically, that's why he probably wanted to go with his available best forward line, which I do believe if Benzema is not there, Valverde, well, Rodrigo, and Vinicius is our available best uh, front three. Uh, w- what did you make of that? I think like the selection of the front three.
1: Well, obviously I, I had no issue with the front selection because these three have given us so much in the absence of Benzema, they have played so well. And I, I think like, to be fair, I, I think what, and what has happened in the last couple of games is that, I mean, particularly against Shakhtar when Benzema was on the field, obviously we actually. You know, there there was a clear lack of efficiency in terms of our sharpness in front of goal and putting chances away. But the actual build up itself, you and I talked about this with Sam and you on the post game podcast. Mm-hmm. The build up itself was actually really good, and so it gave mm-hmm. us a lot of optimism what these that that front four can can do together. And in this game, obviously, it was a front three. It was more of a four three three. It was it was not what we saw mm-hmm. against Shakhtar at all. It was something different. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had to face a pretty pretty deep block where Getafe is, as little as they did going forward and to put things into perspective you remember that Fede Valverde shot from our own half yeah that one uh 0.01 on the xg chart that's like pretty much <laughs> that's like pretty much on par with like Getafe's best chance like that's how that's what Getafe were were giving us on the other side of, uh uh you know in when they were attacking us and what I so what I think we, we we were facing was like a team that was really really adamant about just plugging holes making things difficult I'm sure it is it's part of their identity but I'm sure they they saw all those games like against Atletico in the first half where any team that plays the high line it's it's absolutely suicidal so pick your poison and I think they're well within their rights to play this way if they want to have give their best chance their best shot at you know taking a result home to your question, everything the front three did and by extension the midfield were, were doing because Getafe would let us bring the ball out of the back, but then they would just focus on plugging holes. Every run that we made in, in the half space, you remember that Vinicius header that where he was free in the box? Yeah. yeah it was yeah. right at yeah. Soria. That one yeah. uh, was in minute, or sorry, it was Rodrigo, not Vinicius. Uh, it uh, was
0: Rodrigo. Vinicius was just behind, yeah.
1: Yeah, Rodrigo, that was the 38th minute. That actually was a really nice sequence from us like offensively. It took us a while to to generate that. Our movement was good. We had a lot of movement between the lines. Our passing was good. If you look at that, I I'd, I'd be curious to go back and look at that. But if you go look at that build up to that goal or to that shot, we had a lot of players in the right zones. We were f- we were facing a deep block and being imaginative on how to break it. We had a player in every half space in both half spaces. We had overloads. We had moving in the central areas, and then we had, and then we worked it, worked it around. Eventually, we were able to cross it, and Rodrigo has a free header. But that's what it took, and that didn't happen that often. And apart from that, I think in the second half, if you fast forward, Vinicius has a nice play where he carries the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. He cuts it right. He cuts it back to too many in the box. Too many shoots it right at Soria. Modric has a rebound. He also shoots that Soria or gets blocked or something. You know, those were the the chances we were looking at. And apart from that, it was long distance shooting and like terrible long distance shooting. Kamavinga Valverde had one finally good one in the second half, but Kamavinga, Fede, Modric, the our shooting boots were way off. Um, Just to bring it up here. Rodrigo, five shots, only one on target. many, three shots, only one on target. Fede Valverde, three shots, only one on target. Um, I think those were like the, the, I guess, the key ones that were, you know, the rest of the shots were kind of just not from great positions. And so I think the front three struggled today in part, obviously, because there was a lack of space. But also, when we did get into good positions or even decent positions, we just did not have our shooting boots on. Our shooting has been pretty bad for two games straight now.
0: Yes, I I do agree, and uh, we have to ponder that at what point does it become a serious concern? Uh, because, well, not even like two games. I would say, like even against Osasuna, we weren't. Really great with our, with sure. our yeah with it is taking games. our chances so it's three games so yep. uh I hope that is that is the end of it against Shakhtar we pick ourselves up and uh, against Barcelona we definitely don't do this. Another thing I would like to talk about is the point that you brought up that that Rodrigo header and the kind of movement or the kind of sequence that header stemmed from. If if you go back and see that you'd see that a lot of there was a bit more poise. There was a bit more composure in uh, picking the moments when uh, we make which run, which which basically created that chance. Now, against these low blocks, this has been, well, low blocks has been Real Madrid's issue since like 1678. But uh, again, you have to basically pick your moments and uh, make those off-ball runs that will move the opponent uh, there is like no other way apart from breaking a this kind of a low block without moving your opponent. You can't just move the ball around if the opponent is just standing still. But when you make those those kind of intelligent runs off ball, those things create those these little spaces of pockets and uh, or like pocket of space, and then you can bring out these kind of chances. That that made me a little bit frustrated because if you can do it once or twice why can't you do it throughout the game and i mean what i mean to say is like why can't you have a bit more composure uh, throughout the game i think uh, in terms of picking our moments when to move and when to release the ball and picking uh, picking the Teammate who's who is on a run or like taking an off-ball run, we lacked a little bit of composure there. We were a little bit rushed with like just uh, giving the ball away at certain stages. That that hurt us a little bit. So these are like very minor things, little details that if you fix within a team, the outcome would be drastically different. And uh, but it's just it's just that kind of a night that those things didn't happen for us.
1: I think the answer to your question about like, why can't you generate more of those chances and stay composed and whatever? I don't know if there's a quite a real answer for it. It's a good question. But I think the reality is, is that a lot of this is psychological, right? So, you know, there are instances where a team like Gatafik and recognize that they just conceded a free header and adjust to it. And so you can't maybe generate it again. Ancelotti said after the game that there are some games where the ball is at your feet and things just feel effortless. You don't have to think twice. Everything just Mm -hmm. flows. Everyone just is composed. Everyone is playing well. Then there are games like this where you just don't have that for sometimes inexplicable reasons, you know? I'm sure like it's basically that I can, we can all relate to a smaller scale in our lives. Sometimes, Things just flow effortlessly for us. Sometimes it's just a hard day. You know, sometimes it's just harder to to get those little mundane tasks done for whatever reason. A lot lot of it is mental. It could be related to a lot of things. Um, This, to be fair, is not necessarily the easiest place to play for Real Madrid. Um, And it's interesting, like we think about breaking down low blocks, and you mentioned this has been a problem for us in the past. It's interesting to see the evolution of how we deal with this for years it was crossing um you know i think when zidane got a lot of shtick for crossing so much at the very least there was a period of time where it totally made sense to cross when you have Cristiano ronaldo and gareth bale and benzema as well like if you have like world-class crossers like marcelo and Cruz and Moric and carvajal and you have elite elite aerial players like that it makes sense plus the chaos that ensued it wasn't just the crosses it would be the headers the rebound the the fact that the teams couldn't clear and then they could they couldn't escape their half that actually worked for a certain period of time then it kind of worked but not really at times cuz like there were there were games where we were like crossing to Lucas Vasquez you know um but then it kind of worked when he would send Ramos and Casemiro up the field you know that that era seems so long gone now when you look at it we had 11 crosses today and we just don't have players on the field to, to, to take advantage of that until Mariano came in, you know, and Mariano didn't do much. I, I, I don't even know how many minutes he was on the field. He was on the field for one minute. Like Yeah. came on the 88th minute. So plus the stoppage yeah. time, right. like let's say six maximum minutes. He was in uh, um, under
0: stats showing it for once for some reason.
1: Yeah. Um, and so we tried to break them down in other ways. And, like, it, I, I don't think we did that bad of a job. Like, obviously, I think, relatively speaking, it's it was underwhelming. But we did, you know, we came up with that That Rodrigo chance was pretty big in the first half. We had the disallowed goal in the second half. The the play where Chiumeni and Morich should have, I think, in my opinion, like, Morich's was, I guess, a little more difficult because his path was a little blocked. But Chiumeni should have... I think, done better on his chance. And then we had just a high volume of really bad long-distance shots. Um, yeah. It was a tough one to break down. I I, I, I want to be worried about it and, and I guess, be more concerned in some way. But at the same time, um, this is kind of like the Osasuna game. It just exists every year. It Every year we have games like this and mm-hmm. at least we got the W today and we can just move on and hopefully just get some momentum um my biggest concern is concern i I just want us to kind of open the ketchup bottle a little bit before Classico, you know what I mean yeah. and yeah. with I'm so sorry for for Shakhtar to be in the way of this but I really hope we just Benzema just comes out scores one early against Shakhtar and then we just keep going and then like you know four or five nil apologize to them after the game and then just take that momentum to Classico because I really just feel like we need something, the floodgates to open from a scoring standpoint.
0: Yeah, Uh I this reminds me of, I think the day we won the league last season, who were we playing? Levante or Levante, I guess. We scored like six past them and then all of our players apologized to them and they got relegated. We were champions. That was oh, kind right. of funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah something, something like that needs to happen against Shakhtar another thing I guess we can talk about is Madrid's shape early on in the first half and uh bit, bit for in the second half as well because if you go ahead and take a look at Fede Valverde's uh heat map you'll see his most like touches were uh a place where you would see that if he's playing as a wide midfielder or as a right wing back and even during the game i noticed that quite quite a lot it was kind of like Vinicius and rodrigo were playing as the left winger and the forward but the right winger was not there he was on the same vertical line as or or rather horizontal line as carvajal that was a bit interesting to me i don't know if that was to counter get face left winger in any way or like to stop them from that flank but that was kind of interesting because uh he was he was not partaking in madrid's press that high modric was from that right side and vinicius and rodrigo were that's that's one thing i found interesting uh, especially the first half
1: well rodrigo was more similar to like the classic benzema role today in that he was mostly on the left trying to combine with Vinicius. And I th- I think in some ways it worked, but you know uh that's obviously just going to be a natural distinguishing factor between him playing as a false nine and him playing like a, as a pseudo 10 as he did against Shakhtar. Against Shakhtar he could play a little bit deeper, he can kind of like combine a little bit more with the midfield. And in this game he was a little bit more, you know, just trying to combine and overload the left side with with Vinicius. And I, I thought Vinicius played well. I You know, his conf... Oh, sorry, Rodrigo. Uh, we'll get to Vinicius, Vinicius in a second. I thought Rodrigo's confidence in tight spaces looks really good. Um, he did go over the right a couple of times and link up with Fede. He's able to create space for his own shot. Again, a little bit maybe unlucky, if you want to put it that way, on his goal. It was, a, it was a good finish. It was ruled out for offside. He had good attempts and good, well-intentioned things. I think part of my reason with this... Part of my... um <laughs> Quote-unquote boredom with this game is is not necessarily a frustration aimed at like oh, all we were terrible and like we're screwed seasons over It was more just like yeah, just bored. I was just bored. You know, that's that's all it was um, You know, it was a tough game uh, Like Vinicius did what he could uh, He had he'd had the dribbling sequences to break lines to carry the ball up the field to look for his teammates in the box magic dribbling sequences he had good defensive work rate in this game too which um no one will talk about i i think i've seen some people complain about his like touches being too cute or whatever but like he was fine and i i think he he created danger and he worked hard defensively i don't really have necessarily a problem with Madrid's performance in a vacuum because i think it's it was a difficult one it was just the efficiency and there was like zero entertainment value and that's just me Personally, just being an old man at a cloud, but I think most everyone, almost everyone, related to it that it was just a really, really tough one to sit through. So the performance yeah, itself sure. wasn't terrible, but it was just hard. It was it was laborious.
0: Yeah, uh, vinicius absolutely loves nutmegging Jene. <laughs> uh, I think he did it last season at the Bernabeu as well, and that was like a filthy, ridiculous nutmeg. Uh, today, what he he did the same to Jene again. So, Jenna of Gatafe, he absolutely hates Vinicius' guts by this point, I'm pretty sure. And I think it's Luis Mia who came out after the post match, uh, you know, mix zone, and he said that Vinicius was not intending to play football. He was just trying to get under everyone's nerves. Well, yeah, dude, probably he got under your nerve at least. <laughs> I'm amazed these that. quotes like this are still
1: coming out. I. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vinicius. Uh, I think I think he was fine. I think he was fine. Whatever. He, again, you could you could. Whenever he was on the ball, you would probably get a little bit excited. All right, something's going to happen. Vinicius has got the ball, uh, and he made some things happen as well in those first twenty minutes of the game. Uh, one sequence I specifically remember. I actually kept notes of this game until the twenty sixth minute, and then I'm like, all right. All right, that's it. <laughs> uh, On the 26th minute, Kamavinga plays this. That was probably Kamavinga's only great uh, progressive pass in this game. The ball Deep down the line to Vinicius. Half, uh, yeah, yeah, down the line to Vinicius. That that was a good move. It didn't yield it to anything, but I thought that was a good move. Uh, what did you make of Kamavinga's performance, though? Uh, what, what are you standing on Kamavinga on this one?
1: Quiet. Quiet. Very quiet. quiet. I mean, I think... It's funny because when you think of breaking low blocks as a midfielder, obviously he has a completely different profile to Cruz. But one of Kamavinga's underrated strengths is that he moves well between the lines off the ball. And he's able to break lines that way because he's unpredictable with his movement. And once he gets the ball in those positions, he's good in tight spaces. And especially if he's in the attacking third, he can create space for his own shot, or he can combine with someone in the box. But that in itself is really good. When you look at our profile of midfielders, we had everything we needed on the field to break. The same thing with Modric. Modric's ability to dribble, to carry the ball, to to create something out of nothing. You want him that moment of genius. You want him on the field for that. Chuomeni as well. Um, I think it's funny because Chu Many his... Role as an anchor. Like what I liked the dynamic with Shakhtar that I liked is that Cruz could play the deep quarterback role, mm-hmm. and Chu Many could just fly up the field. Like in games like this, where you don't really need to worry about transition defense, could we have sent Chu Many up in the box a little bit more, mm-hmm. and just have Modric or Kamavinga step back a little bit? And actually, for that reason, I think Cruz in this game would have made a lot of sense. You know, if he was if he was gonna if he was able to play, and um, you know, so again, I think we had enough on the field to 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 do it this way with this team, obviously. But the I think Kamavinga was was a little bit too quiet for me. Um, he just was not that involved. You know, there were a couple moments here and there. Shooting was bad. He 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 tried at least one. And Morich was a bit of a mixed bag too. Like when you look at Morich, he had a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Some of his passing in this game was really, really poor. Bad giveaways. Um, shooting wasn't great, but he also had a couple of really nice interceptions. Kickstarted a few transition attacks that were rare, but they were needed at the time but that we just couldn't capitalize on. He had some magical touches under pressure in midfield. And with Chiu-Meni, um, again, like because you don't, I think part of the reason why Chu Many as well was quiet was because, you know, a lot of his stuff from the anchor role will go unnoticed. Like what notes, I, I'm willing to bet you and I have the least amount of notes about Rudiger, Militao, and basically anyone in the back line. We just didn't notice them because they, they weren't needed. Yeah. They weren't called upon. And so I would have liked to have seen Chu Many venture up the field a little bit more because when he did again we we nearly scored off of it so the 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 function of the midfield was a little bit too um I think we just needed a little bit more from from maybe the deeper positions as well to get involved because they're not they're really not worrying about transition defense in games like this
0: yeah and I don't know if the lethargy I, I did notice some lethargy in this game uh, yeah. it was I think a bit of physical and bit bit of psychological as well. Because if you look at like touches, Vinicius had sixty-five touches in this game, and so did Kamavinga. For a mid like and Rodrigo had like fifty-six touches. So mm-hmm. for an interior midfielder, that's I think that's pretty low that you're two forwards and you have the same number of touches. What I would have like I would like to see from Kamavinga when he's been given these starting roles in these games, that he takes a bit more time on the ball. It's not just about, like, you get the ball and pass it immediately to someone. Uh, probably he needs to upgrade a little bit on his screening of space uh, in front of him. And he he's he's a, he's a good player on the ball. He is a good ball carrier as well. I didn't see much of ball carrying. Well, like, against the low block, how far are you going to carry it anyway? But uh, that's that's what I would like to see from Kamavinga when he's been given. When you talk about game states a lot, when he's given the starting game state, that's what I'd like to see. I think he's generally better when he's in a different game state. When he's coming after the 70th minute, uh, you know he needs to do something immediately. He thinks better. He does better things back then. But when it's like an open canvas. Uh, on that front, I think he's struggling a little bit. But I think he's going to get his chances the season, season's still long. But that, that those are my kind of thoughts.
1: Well, again, it's, it's, it's interesting because the game state didn't really change at all in this game. I mean, when Asensio came on, there was two to three moments where he actually was able to get into transition. And I thought his touches were pretty good in this game. But yeah. again, the game state just didn't change much for, for this game to budge at all. And I think that was definitely part of the problem. It was it was just hard. Like Qatafe their defense held up. Like it was a good defensive line. It was organized. Their rotations were quick. They plugged both flanks. Like they had coverage on cut ins from both flanks. You know, they were in that five three two kind of deep mid block. Didn't press. Packing the box. And um it was just it was just hard. To break and and that was the reality. And there was that little bit of lethargy too as well that you mentioned. And um we we just didn't really find a way to break them down consistently. And when we did break them down, our finishing boots weren't on. Um I'm just really trying to figure out how much I mean we we can talk about Militao's goal. It was Yeah. What was your what was your yeah. assessment of it?
0: The the goal reminded me of Ronaldo's second goal versus Wolfsburg in the 2016 Champions League semifinal oh, okay. quarter, yeah. a quarterfinal second leg because he, he starts more like centrally uh, and then like goes near the near post and that angle it's it will it, it was it was a good goal because that header is difficult to execute uh, because if you're not like turning your head at the right moment, it's gonna, it's gonna go to your left. So I think it was a good goal. Uh The goal obviously got me excited that, all right, uh, this is it. This is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be six now, seven now from here on, but uh, that, that didn't happen at all. But other than that, uh, I think, I think the goal was pretty good. What I, what I do want to talk about, and I, I actually have a question for you. Uh Well, we have, discussed Ancelotti rotations so many times and before the issue was that he doesn't rotate ever but and currently what he's doing up until now I am I'm still satisfied with how our our rotations is going on but do you think there is a point in the season where we have to tone it down a little bit because uh do you think it is affecting our consistency of performances? Because especially with the back line, where probably the chemistry is more important than any other area of the pitch. Uh like how long do we keep doing this? That one day it's Rudiger Militao, the other day is Alaba Militao, the other day is like Nacho Rudiger. Uh we've been I think I think we've been changing up our defense a bit too much. That's just like my personal opinion where do you stand on it like are we really rotating too much or is if we are rotating just fine now going forward into the season is there a place where we turn it or like bring it back a little bit and have more have more of a consistent lineup or at least seven or eight players consistently throughout in the 11
1: i'm not worried about this issue right now because i think everyone we have right now understands each other i think we have a good system right now because it's not like there's a bunch of new players who don't know each other. You know, if you slide in Cruz or Kamavinga or Modric or whoever, it's not going to be. You're not going to have a situation of unfamiliarity. Likewise with any of the attackers right now, with Rodrigo, Vinicius, Fede, etc. Benzema. The back line is. I mean, Rudiger is the new face. Choumny is a new face who's been basically one of the few ones who hasn't been rotated. So I mean, no arguments there. He's needed to play. And he has played, and he's played well. The defensive line, I think, there's an argument there for sure. I'm personally surprised that Rudiger hasn't cracked the starting eleven yet. I personally think, based on how good he is, he is, he is our best defender, central defender. Having said that, me the towel has been good. And I think, you know, we discussed this on the post-game pod for Shakhtar that, you know, the competition has been good for him probably with we'll bringing Rüdiger in. Mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about that aspect of it, to be honest with you. I would much rather this than having the stash, a stationary 11 of of players that don't play. Well, yeah. It's also not, like, it's, like, relatively tight. I mean, there are there are a few players who are not getting cracked into the rotation that regularly. Like Hazard, Hazard played against Celtic. And then play it against what was the next game? Mallorca. Major- Mallorca. I think. And then we haven't seen him since. Yeah. Asensio is kind of on the fringes. He comes in towards the end on some games. He doesn't really, you know. Uh Nacho was reliable anytime he comes in. It's it's I'm I'm fine. I like I liked I like the way we were doing this now. Because last year, I think the changes in the season came when we basically started rotating more like once we once ancelotti realized like we really need Camavinga and rodrigo to really take on a bigger role off the bench in the championship that's when the, that's when the season changed and so now that we're using these guys more regularly it's been uh i think it's been good so i'm not particularly worried about that aspect because because it's not a team that needs that much time to mesh together because they literally won two titles together last season and the two players who were signed. One of them is playing every game, basically, and the other one, Rudiger, um, seems to have a pretty good understanding with everybody and, and hasn't, hasn't played poorly at all. Like since in every game he's played, so I'm not too worried about him. I didn't want to go back to the Muritao goal for one second because sure. um, it's, it's a very simple goal. And obviously it's a little, everyone was like going crazy because we actually finally scored from a set piece. I, First of all, I also don't think like a lot, there were people in my mentions who were like, "Well, Cruz finally isn't there. We we score from a set piece." I think it's ridiculous because it's not Cruz. Yeah. If you look at Cruz's set pieces, they're good. It's not like he can't control if he's putting the ball on literally someone's head uh, and it doesn't go in. That's not you know. There's nothing you can do about that. But what I liked about Militao's run in this in this one is that the way he shakes off Mitrovic. Um, he kind of fakes to go one way, then curls around and goes to the near post. Um, it's really—it's nothing to analyze. It's—it's it's an over—it's. I don't want to overanalyze it, but it was just a simple, straightforward, good sequence where Tao shakes his defender, curls around and cuts to the near post and gets his head on it. I think there may have been a deflection as well, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, it was a good goal. So yeah, um, it was the it was I that just saw... ended up being the difference maker. I saw a
0: crazy piece of stat, uh, yeah. on one of the Madrid news portals on Twitter. Uh, in the last two games, Real Madrid had fifty-two goal attempts, twenty-one of them on target, and three goals out of those twenty-one. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's how bad our shooting has been.
1: Well, but but, that, but that's something to consider though as a good thing. As, as I said in the Shakhtar post game that we're 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 right now we won these last two games despite not finishing and also despite this season not having Benzema of last season yet join the team is a good is a good sign to me rather than a bad sign because that stuff will come into place and that'll just only make us better and harder to stop so i I consider that as a good thing but yeah it is definitely a mark on the lack of efficiency for sure right now and uh and that that's that's something that needs to be addressed. Um, also Militao is our ninth goal scorer this season after 9 games. Right. Wow.
0: You know. Wow.
1: You, would you have expected to have been in this position now had you been told Benzema would basically not have scored and had missed all this time? Uh no, uh, absolutely like, like I'm I'm not even going to pretend
0: that I I I saw this coming because I was I was petrified I was terrified when Benzema got injured I'm like all right th- I- I've seen this picture before this is going to be like 17-18 again this is going to like 18-19 again we're going to be like one points behind Barcelona by November <laughs> in the league but how the team has has responded is really impressive and everything like all of this is like contextual uh, in the sense that Real Madrid we have done I think a fair bit of analysis of where the team can improve are that some of the things that have not been have going our way, for example, the shooting, uh, breaking low blocks, for example, against Asasuna today again. But even, you know, considering all of that, we have only not won one game this season. I think we've played like 12 games, but uh, and we've won all of them except the Asasuna game. So... All in all, I think the team is in a good place, but it's. I think it's just the curse of being a Real Madrid fan that always expecting a little bit extra from your team, uh, no yeah, matter how sure. you, well you play. The standards always are always that higher expecta- here. Expectation. Yeah, the, the standards are like, I would say, like the highest of any football club, at least in, in club football. So, from that perspective, we do analyze and talk about these things. But overall, I think the team is in a good space
1: so i just wanted to make a note on that comment because i think it's important for the club to have those standards i think it doesn't matter too much necessarily like you know fans like us to have those standards or not because i've always been a little bit more on the uh, on the empathy side like because just because i don't want to feel like s- seem too spoiled to like ask for perfection every game I forget which, who said it, one of our players, but it's obvious for anyone to see, quote or no quote. But basically, the reason why we have so many titles is because our standards are higher. You know, when the, the famous quote after we won the 14th title last year, when Modric is in the locker room talking about the 15th. That's the standard, right? It doesn't. Like it matters for them, the club, the players to have that standard. But like for, for, I, I suppose for me to come here and be like, well, the standard should be this and this, and we should be playing the perfection, perfection. I just feel silly doing that. So, cause it doesn't matter what I think. So like, I'm, I'm more empathetic that, cause I've been watching Real Madrid for so long like since 1998, um, that I just know every year these games there's no there's no year where these games don't exist and it's just you got to grind it out you got to grind it out you got to grind to grind it out and where you want it you want to make sure ultimately is you have enough points to win the league at the end of the season and by extension you also want to show up in the Champions League when it matters and then if you don't again perfection doesn't exist um and we've done it more than anyone so that's where my perception always comes in like trying to catch myself and being like yeah these are the standards yeah it is it is but i also just want to be like cognizant of the fact that these guys are not robots and <laughs> and you know they do what they can in games like this away to katafe mm-hmm. so did we drag out like what 40 50 minutes out of this somehow
0: oh did we i i, I have i have no idea how for how long we've talked
1: um you you're gonna you you do these like pieces after the game like you kind of bring in some visuals and analytics. Mm-hmm. What like if you were to do one for this game, what would you do it on?
0: Uh for this game, I think one of like the Fede positioning that I discussed, probably that that is something I would still like to go back and look at visually that actually where, where where his like I can see in the heat map where his touches were or probably where he received the ball because that that kind of felt interesting to me because uh, at large stretches this didn't feel like a 4-3-3. It felt like more like a four 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 two. To me that's something that I would be interested to see. Apart from that, apart from that it's there's nothing more really on this game. The only other thing I would probably try to look into his Alaba's positioning because Alaba previously, when he's paired with Vinicius uh, as a left back, uh, one key difference with Alaba and Mendy I've observed is Mendy is more closer to the flank. Alaba tries to stay a little bit inverted. I don't know if this is by design or this is just the freedom of expression that I spoke about in the last part that Ancelotti provides to his players. And then they decide, all right, this is the this is the best position for me today. Uh, today I didn't see that Alaba was more, more like in the Mendy-esque positions. He was more closer to the flank rather than being in inverted positions. That uh, I felt like watching it. I would have to like check with the data if I do that if that really was the case. But uh, that that works with Vinicius if Alaba is a little bit inverted and Alaba is like an extremely smart footballer when to pick those runs when to decide and make those runs behind Vinicius that actually that actually opens up a little bit more space for Vinicius. Uh I I am I am team Lucas on who should start at left back for Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, I'm not team Kian. Uh, I, I think our back line should be uh, Carvajal, Militao, Rudiger and Alaba. Uh but uh yeah I that that's thats those are the only two things I would be interested in Fede and
1: alaba well again it's it's funny like i I just have nothing on the backline today, like nothing. <laughs> Rudiger yeah. had like a couple of good step up interventions, Militao, Tau, a couple of good reads. He had one play where he carries the ball up the right wing and then cuts it into Rodrigo at the top of the box. It's just it was one of those weird games where you're not really getting overloads from your full backs. And they just have no defensive things to do, nothing to do defensively. There's nothing like you don't have, like, the classic flying slide tackle from Militao in the box to save a goal. There's nothing like that in this game. And uh, it was just hard to, to, to really discuss anything from the back line other than, that, you know, maybe they could have been on the ball. They got a lot of touches. But, like, because you were going over the touches today and said, like, you know, Vinicius, same number of Kamavinga. um I think Rodrigo had like 56, a little bit less. But yeah. you, even though they had less touches, you noticed them more because they were at least they they were trying mm-hmm. to have these sequences in the attacking third. A lot of the, all the touches for the back line, Carvajal, I think led the uh, team in touches 117, something like that. Do you remember any of Carvajal's touches?
0: No, not really. I only. I was I was expecting that Carvajal at some point would be subbed out for Lucas Vasquez because Lucas has been out for a while and probably this was a good game for him to get a few minutes. Uh on that note, actually I think had we not been one 0 up in this game, uh Aiden Hazard, uh Lucas Vasquez, these guys would have gotten minutes today. Ancelotti then would I think he would decide that all right, let's change things up a little bit more and see if we can can get something out of it but because we were 1-0 up he he just wanted to have the things that were going on going on uh yeah but on back to Carvajal again I don't I don't remember anything specific but that Rodrigo header uh on that sequence I think Carvajal Carvajal was essential during that sequence if I remember correctly He, he was he was very involved in that sequence
1: that Rodrigo header that had a high XG. Was it him that crossed it or Mordech? I can't remember one of those two. Uh, yeah, one of those two.
0: Um, so uh, actually, I can check it.
1: So. Uh. Uh, you said something that it
0: I was
1: wanted. Fede who it was Fede who crossed the ball. Yeah, Fede. So, um, oh, you said something that I wanted to touch on. Um.
0: Mendy,
1: Alaba? No. Oh, Hazard. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I was just, there, there definitely was a moment in the back of my brain that thought, like, you know, a game like this might suit Hazard because he won't have many defensive duties. And all he needs to do, and, and like, you know, in, in Celtic, against Celtic, he and, and with Belgium, plays pretty deep, just trying to, like, playmake from deep positions. He could He could have done that in this game. And I think it would have been helpful, to some extent. Like he wouldn't have, I think, clogged the the space of Vinicius and Rodrigo and gotten in the way of those guys. But I think he would have just helped Modric create from deep and just be a a secondary creator in that in that offense in the buildup, and and maybe help create something. Uh, but ultimately, it was Mario. Uh, have you been in. to
0: the Coliseum before? Getafe Stadium, have you been there before?
1: No, I, I was thinking it was Leganes that I went to, not Yeah, no, I haven't.
0: Yeah, because I think at one point, not one point, throughout the game, there were a lot of Real Madrid fans in the stadium, I guess. Yeah. Because our well, it's players were like, getting clapped and cheered on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a combination <laughs> yeah. of two yeah, things. That, that was interesting.
1: Yeah, combination of two things. One is that it's in Madrid. And two, it's Katafe doesn't like to have a massive, huge supporting of like cult followers. So a lot of the people who will go to that game are probably amateur fans anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yep. yeah. There was that. there's a Juanito chance also in the seventh minute. I I noticed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not uncommon. Um, all right, how much do you want? How much can you drag this out more? I don't know how much, how much I can. Uh,
0: I I don't I don't really have anything more to add. Basically, the the last thing probably I can just point out is Ancelotti was asked again about Hazard, that uh, he hasn't played a single minute in the last five games. And uh, Carlo basically said he's going to have his chance very soon. And the Madrid news accounts on Twitter have the word variant capital. So I don't know if he's going to have some minutes against Shakhtar. I don't. Really see it? I don't really see him starting because Benzema is going to start that game since he missed out on this one. And Vinicius, I've never seen Vinicius get rested. Uh, Ancelotti was asked about it last season, and he said he's 20 years old; he doesn't need rest. So <laughs> uh, maybe as a sub. Uh, but then again, Ancelotti says this all the time. Like I trust Hazard, and like then he doesn't play. So I, I don't really. I'm not really buying it. He's gonna get us very soon.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I don't follow those Minter Twitter accounts because nothing they say <laughs> is like in proper context. Angelotti did not say it like that. <laughs> There's certainly no need to capitalize the word "very." First of all, I'm not even sure if he even used use the word "muy," and if he did, yeah. it was he wasn't like. Muy cerca. it was like he said <laughs> it in passing it's not like just think of like imagine if like you asked me like hey Keon, when are you gonna have uh your next um your next uh chick-fil-a meal and i'd be like very soon mehedi you know i think like you wouldn't be like Keon said he's gonna have it very soon it could be like, it, like you wouldn't like capitalize the word very it's just weird behavior <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, yeah. but hey, maybe it's against Shakhtar, maybe it's it is very soon next game, who knows? Um, all right, I'm glad to, I'm happy to wrap it here. Any yeah. concluding thoughts? Me too, let's do it. Yeah,
0: uh, well, a uh, happy Thanksgiving to Canadian fans who are listening from yes. Canada. Uh, we have our Thanksgiving in October, uh, a month before the uh, States, yeah, just happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's celebrating.
1: So do you do you do the whole thing like big dinner or anything are you are you doing anything tomorrow
0: uh or Monday No, I'm like it's it's a day off, so we we don't really do anything in particular uh I might just go out with friends and like have a big meal, but that probably won't be specifically for Thanksgiving. That's just because it's a long weekend. <laughs> uh and uh yeah that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it
1: so i'm pacing myself hopefully i don't go too overboard tomorrow but my mom's cooking my dad's cooking my aunt is cooking my sister's cooking it could be it could be dangerous so i gotta hopefully it won't be i, I gotta <laughs> hopefully the damage control won't be too out of this world i, I can just kind of go to the gym before and after and not go to overboard but i'm i am kind of worried but mm. yeah hey happy thanksgiving to everybody happy thanksgiving to you all our listeners in canada and also if you don't celebrate thanksgiving or somewhere else in the world happy thanksgiving to you anyway it's just an excuse to be grateful and also to eat so go do that do both things uh we're grateful for our all our listeners for sure this podcast has grown tremendously it's uh especially in the last year or so the the leap it's taken has been wild in the numbers and also the family that you know it's that has been um it's been extended into this ever-growing family i'm not sure if i see the ceiling on it yet but it's uh yeah i'm I'm super thankful for all you guys listening so thank you Mehedi. happy thanksgiving my friend we'll touch base soon thanks so much all right man take care peace take care all right you guys know the drill before we wrap this up and send you guys along on your way we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com managing major who do so much to support the show and also get a bunch of exclusive content and they get to be a part of a real Madrid family that is ever growing we also want to give a specific shout out to our ten dollar plus patrons because if you pledge ten dollars or more not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So, shout out to these $10 plus patrons Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Wameek Jamal, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Tariq Goktas, Taleb Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, sujaiwani Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil Shabalt Sharapov, Sergio arispe Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero-Zubiare, Nicholas Moeller, Mowgli, MJ Diego, uh, Nick Rivero, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P, Christian Toft, Krishna Costa, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovich Adam Dorsey, Bela Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are legends. Thank you so much for your support. We'll see you over on Patreon.com slash soon. Bonus shows coming this week. And halamari.